This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports, live from La Casa de Paulson. <laughs> yeah. I'm Craig Hoffman. That is Logan Paulson. Uh, I've driven over here in Ashburn after Josh Harris's presser, after open locker room this morning. And uh, Logan, there's plenty to talk about for sure, as today is Black Monday, the day that Ron Rivera uh, ultimately saw his tenure come to an end with the commander. So we will talk about that kind of Rivera postmortem. We will talk about some of the early names that have come out and kind of what's next for this commander's franchise. But Logan, you you got a chance to obviously get to know Ron over the last yep. couple of years. You did the show with him weekly. You got a chance to, to talk to him on and off camera. When you think back to the four years, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we'll get into in kind of the the negative stuff that ultimately ends with him losing his job and being four and 13 this year. We're not going to hide from that, but when, when something comes to an end, you tend to reflect on the positive first. So um, what, what are you, what are your reflections of these last four years? Yeah. I mean, I think he was a guy that came in and, and kind of had like a kind of an unwinnable task, so to speak, like the culture here in Washington is always, at least recently has been kind of terrible, you know, and I think that started with the top started with the old ownership. And I mean, he kind of was tasked as the guy to kind of get everything back on track and I think in a, to a large extent he was able to do that at least from a team standpoint kind of bringing in the right kind of character guys and admit and, and, and alleviating some of the adversity in the locker room that you'd seen over the past couple of years which is great but in terms of getting a kind of a fair shot to be a head coach I don't think it was very fair but you know nothing in life nothing in the NFL is very fair no. right ton of adversity over the course of his tenure and that's the thing that I always think back to you know obviously the cancer and I don't think people realized quite how sick he was you know and then yeah. there's the COVID year after the cancer then there's all the stuff with uh, the the scandals and the sexual harassment stuff associated with the ownership so there was never like a clean sheet for him uh, but you know like that's life in the NFL you got to kind of like roll with those punches and then there's obviously the stuff you know from a football standpoint that we've been kind of subtly criti- critical of over the past couple of weeks but I think that's what I say and I say ultimately Ron is a, a good person a, a 
smarter football guy than I think a lot of people want to give him credit for. Yeah. And I think those two things are are nice. You know, are, are, are nice things to say about him. Smart dude, good guy, really, really good dude. And um, but ultimately, like you don't win, you don't win games with that all the time. For sure. I think it was interesting being in the locker room today. And, you know, you ask all the players in some form or fashion, what do you think of Ron as he's headed out the door? And there's not a really a bad word right. to be said. Um, you know, the, the closest to that was Charles Leno was basically like, this is the business. Yeah. And it was pretty clear that Leno didn't think a lot of Ron as a football coach, but he went out of his way to say like, he's a good man. Right. And so I think you see that through and through and, and there is something to that. And in talking to some folks around the building today, um, you even hear like, man, it was, it was really bad at times. Right. And, um, you know, someone made the analogy of just like, he was the guy that took the charge. Like, yeah. just plant your feet right. in there and you're about, LeBron James is coming down the lane. And <laughs> That's a good, you, uh, you're going to take it in the face. And Ron was willing to, to take it. Yeah. Um, and which is something that I think is an interesting thing to, to think about, like an intellectual exercise of like, he did sign up for that to yeah. an extent. Um, you, when you go to work for Daniel Snyder, you're going to have to take some charges. <laughs> but I don't think anyone could have anticipated right. that. And obviously also, I, I think you bring up something that kind of we all brush over now in 2024. Like, he takes the job in January of 2020. We do not know that a global pandemic is going to shut down the world right. a month later, two months later. And so what happens is, is he's trying to instill this new culture and make some of these changes and he can't meet with guys. Right. And the the draft process is very different that you're like, who knows? Do they sit down with Chase Young face to face and be like, ah, I don't know. Right. Like you just don't know. But yeah. then again, every other team had to draft the same way in 2020. And um, that is that reality. But, but I also think couple that with the fact that he was sick. You're right. Know, like oh, and he, then like, after, sure. It, it became like the the rules around the building a lot. You know, a lot of people were really concerned about him coming yeah. off, you know, being kind of immune compromised, all that kind of stuff. So I think it was it was it was just kind of stacking a, a making a terrible situation that worse, much worse. Yeah. And I think it just it was very, very challenging. I, I mean, that's all we can say about it. It was very, very hard. There was a lot of adversity associated with it. And did other teams find ways to handle that? Absolutely. But yeah. I do think that I think the fact that he was sick, you know, is something that people forget about. And he, for the fact that he was able to put on a good face for a lot of that year and not let it not let it affect the team crazy to say but not yeah. let it really affect and to the, the extent team. that it did like right. it was a positive right. because guys really did rally around him yeah. that was that was a real thing it feels you know weird now looking back on it but like in the moment that was definitely a thing that was a thing um in terms of where it goes wrong i think you know you make you make decisions as yeah. a football person, as a manager, as in his case, as a president of football operations. And this is where I think it's very easy to be critical of him because it's correct right. criticism. Not like, oh, yeah, we're having fun criticizing, but like it's very easy. Eventually, through all that stuff, you have to make decisions. And if you make right ones, despite all those circumstances, mm -hmm. you can overcome it. You can right. win football games. You can build something. And it just seemed like to me that the thing that is overwhelming throughout his era is the miss or the... Uh, not getting correct the biggest decisions. Mm. And so what I mean by that is when you spend big money on a free agent or you have a first round draft pick and like a player personnel standpoint, and I think also as coordinators, I, I don't, I think there's yeah. mistakes made uh, with all three of them that he ultimately has yep. um, in some form or fashion, whether it's keeping them too long, hiring a bad one, a bad fit, mm. whatever, we can get into it. But I think from a player personnel standpoint, the biggest signings he had, William Jackson, big money free agent, right. total whiff for, you know, first round draft picks like Jamin Davis is a fine player. I don't know that it was a good use right. of a first round pick. Um, Chase, obviously, and especially in that year when you have the number two overall pick, you, could take, Tua, you could take Justin Herbert and instead you take Chase Young and it doesn't work out. Um, I think that to me is like 
if, if you get some of those right, some of the other things are less important because you have so much talent that it, it, you make it work. And I think that is the the biggest undoing on a long list of things that did not go well. And I think some of the other like some of the other things tend to fill in the gaps and illuminate maybe some of the reasons why. But as the the headline to me, that's the headline. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, and I think John Kime said something really interesting on the podcast, and I think this speaks to what Ron is as a person. He's very optimistic, and I think yeah. that leads to one of the things that why guys like him. He's very optimistic. He's got pretty good energy when he's around the guys, which is always fun to see, but it leads to – you know, maybe Sam Mills stays a little bit longer than he mm-hmm. should. Maybe Scott Turner stays a little bit longer than he should. And instead of Jack kind of, as well, yeah, nipping those things in the butt when it looked like it wasn't going to work out, you're kind of giving the guy the benefit of the doubt, the benefit of the opportunity. And I and I respect Ron for that, but I also think there's times where you got to say, hey, like this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. You know, like specifically the Sam Mills thing, because I think you can kind of see the 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 cancerous effect that that had on that group for for the rest of his time here, right? He's the same. Uh, Chase didn't develop the way he thought. Montez didn't develop the way he thought. Obviously, John and Payne were very successful, but that was after Sam left, right? So you bring in a guy and uh, Z who's played a lot of football. And again, you see the benefit for them, but not necessarily the rest of the group. You know, what is Chase Young if you've got kind of that that stud defensive line coach that I think Ron thought he had. You know, when you talk to Ron about it, he was like, he's the, he's the, um, he was the disciple of the best D-line coach that I've ever worked with. And so I thought he was going to be the next guy and it didn't shake out. And I think identifying that early and saying, okay, this isn't going the way I thought it was going to go is a really tough thing. But I also think his optimism paid off in certain situations. Like he saw the development of Cam Curl. I think he saw the development of Jamin Davis a little bit, right? And it took a long time to get there. But I think it's there's, there's good and bad with being an overly optimistic optimistic person. No doubt. Um, I think with Jamin is a great example too of kind of the optimism, optimism without a plan, Sure. I guess. And, and that, that to me is like the other big uh, identifying characteristic of Rivera's tenure is that there was never a cohesive plan mm. for how to build. And I'm not talking about organizationally, I'm talking about football team, mm. like the roster. It definitely, and, I, and, I know what you're saying. It definitely appears that way from like right, a thousand fr- foot from, yeah. from the person, like how does the personnel and the scheme go together and does it stay year over year over year over year so that you can literally build on it? And they went from. Scott Turner, all right, Eric Coriel, vertical passing game to like, this ain't working. We got to run the football more. And then you draft Brian Robinson and you build an O-line that's probably shaded a little better to, as, as run yeah. blockers than yeah. pass protectors. Defensively, like, are you a blitz heavy team? Or are you kind of built around this D-line? You're going to play a bunch of coverage. And is that coverage zone or man? Then you, yeah. hi- you get corners that are the opposite of what you're planning on doing. And like schematically personnel, cohesiveness, there just there wasn't any mm. over his four years where you go that's what they were trying to build mm. and i think that informed some of those decisions uh in terms of like sticking with guys a little bit sure. too long but also kind of wraps back to the first where i started where like okay if we're going to be a 
zone team yeah. and we bring in William Jackson third, like it probably is not going to work great. Yeah, and I think it's also, again, to go back to the optimism that we have the right coaches in place to get William Jackson the third in the right spot. Or right. we have the right coaches to to make sure that we can to play. To turn Jamin Davis into someone who's worth taking yeah. at 19. And I think that's right. And I think, you know, we, we were very, this year you were like, oh, here, here it is. But I yeah. think, you know, it took him three years to get to this point. And again, like Jamin went through a lot of adversity and, you know, but... I think that was one of the criticisms of the pick at the time from, you know, the national kind of draft people was that he was so green. Like, what was he going to be? So um, I think it, it kind of goes back to that optimism and making those hard choices. And I think, you know, John said this, and I think John does, has great insight on this, is he kind of favored the familiarity as yes. opposed to – and there are – like, look around the league. Like, there's a reason that – Kyle Shanahan works with work with Mike McDaniel's for ten years, right? Like they, there's a familiarity there and a trust, and that that is a good working relationship. But also, you need to kind of go out and make some some tough decisions when it comes to staffing, and kind of find the best people as opposed to the people that. Well, it's they, what, they, they're yeah. most familiar with, I guess. It, it, it's also one thing, like when you're Kyle and you've been as successful as Kyle is, it's like you're getting hired because you were super successful and you want to bring the people that helped you do that. Mm -hmm. Ron, you know, rebuilt, as I, I put in one story, I think it was Sam in the post. It's like kind of rebuilt Carolina 2.0. Mm -hmm. And they weren't exactly like, of course, 2015 was a magical season. They make the Super Bowl, they're 15 and one, Cam wins MVP. But outside of that, there's not a lot of success in Carolina. No. So like, why are you rebuilding that here? And it goes to that optimism because you think you can make it work you've right. got some good plans on paper um and it's just like same thing with eric right you know eric probably the best oc on the market last offseason yeah. i'm not mad you know i i can't go back and pretend like i was mad at the hire but it didn't fit with the plan and the personnel when you talk about young quarterback the way the o-line was built all mm -hmm. those types of things to then implement a game plan stylistically run pass you know kind of how leveraged the quarterback was mm -hmm. with what they had but it was like Oh, let's just get talented people and make sure and, and maybe it'll work out but i don't know favoring certain talents over others mm. favoring not not making sure that there was again that cohesive vision that fit into and that's where i think that ultimately this era falls short yeah i, I don't i don't disagree with that i think that's kind of right on the nose and it's tough and it's so easy i, I just want to say this too it's so easy to look back on these decisions and say oh like it's because of xyz because you have the, the benefit of hindsight but i do think there was a lot of people who were kind of you know questioning sam mills when he was here you know and for I, sure and i think obviously ron was too it's just about how long it took the decision to be made and uh i think he i think he ultimately saw it i think he saw those decisions and, and made the decisions is just about you know the timing of them I think, in addition to some other things. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Uh, anything else? Reflection on Rivera before we uh, do what everyone wants, which is to look ahead. <laughs> right. So I guess I would just say, like, thank thank Ron for his time. Really appreciate it. I know it didn't go exactly the way he wanted it or the way the fans wanted it, but gave a lot of time to this organization and uh, that can't be overlooked. So, yeah, I, I think that, you know, I was talking with someone today and they were like, you know what? We part of the reason that we could trust the end of like make it all the way to the end of the season is was because, because yeah. he was going to land the plane. Yeah. Like he is a professional right. and that's not something that you can count on every coach in the NFL yeah. doing. Um, but it's certainly something that, that Ron was good and are good for. And uh, now, now the plane has landed and, and forward. I just go. want to say this, like talking about being a pro, I got to do that show with him every week. And I think Ron could see the writing on the wall, probably week seven, week eight. And he did not deviate or change his personality at all when it came to doing the shows and media access and, takes a takes a special kind of courage to do that as you know you've dealt with guys who have been on the chopping block or not psyched about it not pumped and they're they, they take it on other people and never saw that from him so again 
pros pro did a great job landed the plane like you said yeah. but i think it's definitively time to to move on to the next phase yeah without a doubt so let's look ahead at what's next